Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr Rayleigh Alou on the socials. Confused about fertility and trying to get pregnant? Want to know more but don't want to flag it to the world? Welcome to our podcast, Knocked Up. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison. I've got no medical background, but I'm a 39-year-old woman who has her eggs in the freezer. I'm joined as always by Dr. Rayleigh Alou, CREI Certified Reproductive Endocrinologist and Infertility Specialist. We started this podcast with the aim to provide easy-to-understand information on hard concepts relating to fertility, infertility and all aspects of women's health. We love reading our listener reviews and work hard to take feedback on board. If you enjoy listening to Knocked Up and find our resource useful, please take a moment to leave a review and this really helps others to find us. Up until May 2017, Rachel was a normal mum living in Sydney with her husband Jonathan and their beautiful daughter Mackenzie. Then they received the news that changed their whole world forever. Determined to prevent others from experiencing this pain, Rachel turned her research into Mackenzie's condition into a national campaign for genetic carrier testing. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us today on Knocked Up. Oh, I just really, really appreciate the chance to come and speak to you guys. Rachel, you're with us today to talk about your amazing work with Mackenzie's mission. Tell us a little about how that came about and what you're aiming to do. Yeah, Mackenzie's mission is um, is basically the pilot program that the government announced after we began campaigning the government for change. Uh, so it all came about um, with the passing away of our beautiful little girl called Mackenzie. Um, she passed away from a genetic condition called spinal muscular atrophy. And we learned so much so quickly about genetics and everything that we learned just completely confused us as to why genetic carrier screening wasn't offered routinely to everyone. Um, so with that, we began campaigning the government, um, asking for change, and we were exceptionally lucky that we were not the only ones who felt this way and we had a number of people within the medical community that were already campaigning the government as well and we also had the amazing Greg Hunt as the um, federal health mm -hmm. minister sitting in the chair and he's um, by far the best health minister I think we've ever had in Australia and he was really, really receptive to what we were asking for. Um, so we met with him a number of times and in May 2018, we were asked to come down to Canberra to meet with Greg Hunt. We also met with the then 
treasurer, Scott Morrison. And they had invited us down to Canberra to announce a $500 million genomics project over 10 years, which would make Australia world leaders in genomics. And the first pilot project was going to be called Mackenzie's Mission, which is a $20 million pilot project into genetic carrier screening and bringing that to Australia. So that's Mackenzie's Mission. It's amazing. It's so amazing, Rachel. And can I just ask you, because this is a question I get from a lot of my patients, because I offer every single patient that I see the opportunity to undertake preconception genetic screening. And a lot of patients say to me, I've got no family history. We don't know of anyone in the family who has had a serious genetic condition. Does, doesn't that mean I'm not at risk? Can you... Tell us about your perspective on that. Yeah, um, I believe that from my perspective, that's a very um, old school medical way of thinking about genetics. Um, So some of the statistics that we found out when we were researching genetics really just completely blew us away. Um, So for starters, every single person on average carries three to five genetic conditions in their DNA. So what happened to us can happen to anyone. We're not special. We're not unique in any way. Um, We just happened, my husband and I just happened to have the same genetic condition, which unlocked, um, unfortunately, a child being affected. But everyone carries genetic conditions. And Previously, from my understanding, medical professionals would only offer or recommend genetic carrier screening to a couple that had a family history of a genetic condition. However, we had no family history and four out of five children born with a genetic condition have no family history either. So only offering it to those that have a family history is a very flawed and, in our opinion, a very dangerous um, process. So That's another thing that we hoped would change. And from my understanding, um, both the Royal College of General Practitioners and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have now changed their guidelines, whereas before it would say to offer genetic carrier screening to people that had a family history. Now it says that they recommend at least the top three genetic conditions Um, that screening to be recommended or often, sorry, to every couple who are planning a pregnancy or in the first trimester of pregnancy. So unfortunately, having a family history is just not really, it's a factor, but it's not the only factor. Yeah, that's just something I wanted to myth bust on this podcast, because it's so important to understand that these recessive conditions that are screened for are silent and that being a carrier for some conditions can actually be somewhat of an advantage. Uh, I found out that I was a carrier personally for cystic fibrosis only through screening with absolutely no family history and my personal story is that my husband was screened only because I was a carrier and he's a carrier too of exactly the same condition. So I've been in personally as well as professionally you know, kind of the, a similar, not not the same situation that you've gone through with the tragic loss of, of Mackenzie, but in the same 
kind of consternation and I was lucky that I was empowered with that information before starting my family, which is the ideal situation. Yeah, I mean, we all know going into pregnancy, well, hopefully most of us know going into pregnancy, that there is a chance of chromosome conditions and this is the same, like it just is at a sort of a a lower level in terms of it sits within the chromosome, so it's not covered by the same test, but we all have um, the chance of having a chromosome issue with our children. We all have a chance of having a genetic condition with our children, and it's up to us as to whether we want that information to be able to make informed choice. Uh, Rachel, can you tell us a bit about your experience? And obviously we want to ask you also from your perspective as a as an advocate for a genetic screening so um you know kind of don't feel too pressured to talk about your personal experience if you don't want to but can you tell us about your experience of of finding out about Mackenzie's condition and without having had preconception screening offered to you what was the what was the pathway to finding out about her spinal muscular atrophy condition um yeah, and I'm, I'm more than happy to speak about um, Mackenzie and everything that happened to us because I think if we don't speak about this, we can't really make people understand that genetics can have a really, really big impact on our lives um, and it is an important topic to talk about even if these topics are hard. I mean, we're talking about child loss and child illnesses, but if we don't talk about them, that doesn't mean that they go away. Um, it just means that we're left without that information. So um, we were very, very careful when getting pregnant with Mackenzie. I'm a very, um, I mean, my husband Johnny calls me his alpha female. Um, I'm very type A. My way of calming myself down is through research. So I... I mean, I checked everything in preparation for a healthy pregnancy that I could think of. We did all of the blood tests. Um, I even had my egg levels checked before we had even started. Um, I'd sent Johnny off for a sperm check before we started. I was really on top of everything that I could think of to have a healthy child. Um, when we got pregnant with Mackenzie, I did the NIPT test. Um, we did the nuchal translucency scan. We did everything that was offered to us. So we knew that she didn't have a chromosome condition and we really thought that we had a healthy baby. Um, it wasn't until 10 weeks after she was born that a lactation consultant noticed that she wasn't moving as well as she should. Um, that made us go very quickly to a GP and then from the GP to a paediatrician. And within two days of that lactation consultant saying she wasn't moving properly, we were told very quickly in a paediatrician's um, office that Mackenzie had spinal muscular atrophy. And when we asked what that was, he said it was a terminal genetic condition. So very quickly we went from having a healthy baby to being told that she would pass away and that the average age of a baby with spinal muscular atrophy is eight months old. Um, so SMA is 
like basically the childhood version of a motor neuron condition. I mean, I know it's not the same, but to try to help people have a bit of an understanding, it's like the childhood version of ALS, which is um, what Stephen Hawking has. Again, it's not the same, but um, it means that the motor neurons in her spinal cord were not conveying messages for her to be able to move her muscles. So we were told that she would lose the ability to move her arms and her legs. Um, she would then lose the ability to swallow and slowly she would lose the ability to breathe until she passed away. Um, so what we were being told basically was every parent's worst nightmare and it took a long time to even comprehend and I still don't think I've fully come to terms with what's happened to us and to our family. And um, if if we had known, we, we absolutely love our daughter. We have and would move heaven and earth to make her happy, to have more time with her, but... When you watch your child struggle to breathe and fight for their life in hospital, you just wouldn't wish that on another child. So that's why we're currently going through IVF to try to have uh, a child that doesn't have SMA. I think that's what's really important here is we're not talking about eye colour or gender. These are life debilitating ending diseases. Um, what are the tests that, what are the tests covering now so you mentioned the NIP test um, and we know mm -hmm. about the Harmony test what, what else is now offered widely so Geordie just to jump in there so Harmony is just one mm -hmm. brand and there are so many brands okay. and they're all non-invasive yeah prenatal testing that's that's very different so you know that's something you do when you're already pregnant to check that yes. you've got all the right chromosome volumes of DNA so really to understand a little bit more about DNA I try and explain it to my patients like and I guess this analogy will have to change um, soon because people don't remember what a set of encyclopedias <laughs> look like on a shelf but I've always said that your, your DNA library is like a set of encyclopedias and each of the chromosomes is like a volume of the encyclopedia. Whereas each gene is a little area that codes for a specific message that happens in a cell and that's like opening the encyclopedia volume to page 523 and reading a sentence or a paragraph. So when we, we think about a genetic problem like spinal muscular atrophy, it's often the change of one letter in a sentence that causes these kind of problems. It's a very small error in a gene that causes catastrophic consequences because these genes we have code for different proteins in our body that have to be a certain size and shape. And if we change the underlying instruction manual, then the protein we make instead can either be non-functional because it's the wrong size and shape or it can have reduced function, so not be as good as what we call the wild type or the normal protein. And so that's kind of 
the level of these genetic conditions that we screen for in, in, in preconception. So there's lots of different ways that we can screen, but unfortunately the biggest barrier, and it's still a barrier because as Rachel pointed out, the College of ONG and the College of GP's recommendation is that these screening tests should be offered. That wording's important because they're not funded. So they should be offered, but they're not compulsory. They're not on the list that every GP and every obstetrician must, you know, must have performed for every every patient. And there's a big difference in the word offered to performed. Imagine if the sentence said they should be performed, then they would be performed. And the reason that the word offered was chosen instead of performed is there's no Medicare funding for these tests and they are considered a luxury whereas I think Rachel and I both agree that they should be in the age of modern medicine considered a necessity. And I think that's one of the amazing, I guess, missions of Mackenzie's mission to try and lobby and provide some evidence to the government that it is worthwhile funding this type of screening. Rachel, do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I personally think that um, the NIP test should also be funded. I, I suppose I come from the background of we should fund these tests because not just, I mean, one of the arguments with, that I had when I was doing the campaign for Mackenzie's mission was not just the impact that it has on the family, the emotional, physical, mental, financial huge impact it has on the family but the cost to Australia as well when you look at um, carers payments from the government you look at all of the therapies that the children need um, and so we're saying that from a financial as well as emotional and um, and family impact that this test should be offered routinely and for free so what the aim with Mackenzie's mission, I mean, at the moment, all of the genetic carrier screening tests, as um, Relia said, they're at a cost um, to the patient. So the aim for Mackenzie's mission, it's a two-year pilot where we're looking at testing 10,000 couples around Australia with varying backgrounds. And we're just looking to ask a number of questions. And that looks at um, are the genes that we've picked the right genes? Um, what's the ethics behind it? Um, are the labs going to be able to keep up with the demand? How quickly can we get test results back? Because sometimes, you know, a lot of times pregnancy is um, it's a surprise and unexpected. So we need to be able to get those test results back in time to be able to give it to pregnant couples um, and give them those options. So... We're looking to answer a lot of those questions over the next two years, but the aim is to then roll it out to Australia for free so it's got equitable access. People don't have to worry about that barrier of cost. And then hopefully the wording from those colleges um, will not necessarily be performed because these tests are still a choice, um, but something stronger than just um, what the current wording is and maybe not just for those top three genetic conditions because um, I'm finding that um, a lot of medical professionals are not, not really aware that the guidelines have changed and that's something that I think is also really important 
um, which is why we try to get the message out to prospective parents as well, because if they're going and asking medical professionals for the test, hopefully they'll then go and look into what the guidelines say. Absolutely. And the three top conditions, you know, we don't know the frequency in Australia of those conditions. We make the assumption based on previous studies that are actually quite Anglo-centric and Northern European-centric, especially in context of cystic fibrosis, whereas we have such a multicultural community here in Australia. If I see a patient who is from Southeast Asia, it's not impossible that they might be a carrier of cystic fibrosis, but it's pretty unlikely, whereas they might be a carrier of something you know, more kind of ethnocentric to that region. And I think the panel that we're going to use in Mackenzie's mission, which has more than 300 conditions, is going to cover a pan-ethnic population, which will be really interesting in the Australian landscape. Yeah, well, I, um, I'm lucky enough that I sit on, um, I think, about four of the committees for Mackenzie's mission, and one of the ones that I sit on is the Gene Selection Committee. And, um, you know, we took it very seriously, making sure that we selected the right genetic conditions um, to be tested because, as you were saying, Jordan, we're not talking about eye colour and hair colour or height. We're talking about severe, lethal um, genetic conditions that affect children. You know, again, we're not looking at conditions that come on um, in when you're an adult um, after you've had, you know, a nice, healthy life. That's not that's not what we're looking to do. And Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the book was definitely a surprise in our life as, as everything that's happened to us. Um, it started off, I started talking um, about genetic carrier screening and, and really I was just talking about Mackenzie um, and this was on my Instagram. I just, I just wanted a place where I could post photos of my daughter and talk about her because I'm just, I'm just a normal mum. I'm just... I just want to talk about my kid and how amazing she is. And, um, you know, it started off with no one really listening. It was just my sort of outlet. And then people started to follow and I started to realise that I wanted to talk to people about genetic carrier screening. Um, from there, obviously, Instagram's a bit of a hard platform to sort of talk about such large topics, so I started blogging. And from the blog, it just sort of ended up turning into a book, um, it was really cathartic for me um, to talk about what had happened with us because, you know, initially it was talking about Mackenzie and and genetics and spinal muscular atrophy and then from there, unfortunately, our story just kept expanding. Um, you know, we started being able to talk about how people reacted to our grief um, and how to sort of help other people through grief because... I really feel like child loss is just not something that we discuss and unfortunately it leaves people who are in my position to feel very vulnerable and alone. Um, but then we started being able to talk about IVF because we started going through IVF to have um, to have siblings for Mackenzie. Um, unfortunately, that's been a really hard 
journey for us as well. We've had another two pregnancies, which we've had to terminate for medical reasons, um, which has been really, really difficult. Um, so the book kind of just, I actually ended up having not enough pages for what I wanted to say on all the topics. So um, it's called Mackenzie's Mission, just like the test, and it came out last Tuesday. Um, and I never thought that I would be able to say that I'm an author. <laughs> Some I think I think achievement. I think you've shown everyone some amazing things that you've you've achieved out of out of the back of the, the biggest tragedy. How can our listeners help? What can they do to get Mackenzie's mission out there? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, firstly, if you are um, planning a pregnancy or in early pregnancy and this includes if you've already had a child you know I've had many people contact me saying that they had two healthy children and then that third one for instance was diagnosed with um, cystic fibrosis so just because you've had one child because a lot of the most of the genetic conditions that are out there are recessive genetic conditions meaning that each time you have a pregnancy, it's a 25% chance that the child will be affected, 50% chance that they'll become a carrier like their parents, and a 25% chance that they won't be affected or be a carrier. So it's really important that no matter where you are in your um, starting a family, that you go to your GP or your obstetrician or your IVF clinic, depending on what your medical provider is, and ask them to have a genetic carrier screening. Unfortunately, um, and this is definitely not, I don't mean to slight any medical professionals, but unfortunately we have had many reports of people coming back saying that the medical professional said that they had no family history, so don't worry, or it'll be a stress, so don't worry about it. Um, so just make sure that it's something that, A, you want to do, and if you want to do it, just make sure that you're confident in asking for it. Um, there are many, many providers that offer genetic carrier screening. Um, I know that you guys have spoken to, I think it's Zoe from Eugene, which is um, a very good test. There's also another test called Prepare. Um, we've actually got a list on the McKenzie's Mission website. It's a list of all of the providers that uh, that we've been able to think of that you can access. Um, there is also a chance that your medical professional is one of the recruiters for McKenzie's Mission. Which, if that's the um, if that's the case, I highly encourage you to take up the offer of doing that. It is for free. We check for it's 700 genetic conditions and with the mutations, it's 1,300 in total, which is a huge, huge list. And I think it's probably one of the biggest in the world. Um, if you want to, I also highly recommend um, writing to your member for parliament and saying that this is something that you support and this is something that you want to see routinely offered for free in Australia. I mean... This, this unfortunate, you know, this is not going away. Genetics is not going away. This is the future, and if it's something that you want to support, you can 
write about it. Um, I also encourage the people who follow me um, to tell people about Mackenzie, to tell people about genetic carrier screening. If you know someone, whether they're getting pregnant or not, I mean, it's it's such an important topic for everyone. Um, so tell people about it and um, don't be afraid to have those conversations because they can be life-saving. So it's probably important to just talk a little bit about what we can do with the information gained by carrier screening to influence future pregnancies. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that from your perspective? Yeah, so when it comes to finding out that you're a carrier of a genetic condition and that um, depending on whether it's a recessive genetic condition or an X-linked, for instance, um, and uh if you don't know, I highly recommend actually going back and listening to the episode of this podcast that talks about genetic carrier screening because I listened to it the other day and I thought it was brilliant at explaining. Um, Thank you. But if you... Are, <laughs> it was really, really good. But um, if you find out that you are at risk of having a child who is affected with a genetic condition, there are options for starters, you'd want to know, um, they'll sit down with you, a genetic counsellor will sit down with you and they will explain to you what the genetic condition is. And in some instances, you might decide that it's a genetic condition that you, within your family, your values, your beliefs, that is okay for you to have a child with that condition. Maybe it's a, not a, it's a condition that's got some treatments or it's a condition that with some therapies um, can be managed. That's a discussion for you guys in your family and there is no right or wrong answer as to how you proceed. Um, it's really dependent. Um, I know when we've been, we've faced those options and trying to figure out what to do, we've had to look at, you know, our, our financial situation, our family network support, um, and again, what our values and beliefs are. So, Maybe you want to continue with the pregnancy or maybe you are happy to get pregnant and take that risk. Um, like I said, some of those genetic conditions do have treatments and there's a number of them, including spinal muscular atrophy, that now have new treatments. It's not by any means a cure, but a lot of the time in these circumstances, the treatments are best um, to be given to a child as soon after birth as possible. So, again, that's where genetic carrier screening is important because you're getting that information and then once that child's born, they can have access to that treatment. Um, the other two options with which Johnny and I have both faced, um, we, you can get pregnant naturally and then you can have what's either a CVS or an amniocentesis, which is where you are able to check the health of the baby. And that ranges from about sort of 11 to 15 weeks pregnant, depending on which option you choose. Um, we have had two CBSs. We've had the two pregnancies. Um, and then once you get that information back, you can decide how you want to proceed. Um, and then the other option is IVF. Um, IVF is something that we're going through. It is difficult, um, like all of the other options. Um, we are currently just finished our ninth round of IVF. Um, 
although I know a lot of people who have had genetic conditions in their families who it hasn't taken them that long. Um, IVF, where it happens is you create embryos and then when a normal round of IVF on day five, they would freeze or transfer those embryos. For genetic screening of those embryos, they look at them at day five or day six, depending on when they are able to be strong enough to hatch out of that outer shell of the embryo, as though they're implanting and attaching onto the um, uterine lining, as would what normally would happen in a natural pregnancy. They're able to take, I think it's sort of about four to eight cells, depending, and they take the cells from the embryo that would create the placenta. So they're not affecting the baby at all. Um, they then freeze those embryos and the tests go off. It takes about two weeks and you can get the answers as to whether you've got any healthy embryos. And then they just transfer the ones that do not have a genetic condition or are carriers, which is the process we're going through right now. And look, that's a process I've been through myself and it's not an easy, easy process to go through. I personally was very lucky um, in terms of IVF when I started doing that. I was 29, which is young, and I had a good um, strong egg count, which meant that I could get a lot of eggs in one go, which is a very big strength when it comes to genetic testing, even more so um, in cases where you're looking for a dominant condition, which is when you have to rule out one in two embryos. Um, for a recessive condition, statistically speaking, we have to rule out one in four embryos, but it doesn't always happen that way. It can be that if you have 100 embryos, maybe you'd rule out a quarter of them, but you can get affected embryo after affected embryo and be really unlucky. I had a patient I did an egg collection today for without giving away any identifying information. Uh, and in her first round of IVF, she had no, uh, no good embryos to transfer in that there were none that weren't affected by the condition she's screening for, which is very unlucky for a recessive condition and she's just had her second egg collection. So this is a problem we deal with every single day in in our IVF practice, both as patients and as and as doctors. I did my PhD in preconception genetic screening at the University of Sydney. So it's an area that's super close to my heart. And I'd actually started that before I screened myself. So it's it's an area that's doubly, doubly close to my heart, both academically, intellectually, professionally and personally. I just wanted to touch on a fact that people might not know about and that's that there's no Medicare funding for genetic testing of embryos in IVF. Can you tell us a little bit about how you feel about that point? Yeah, I went to when we, so how we started campaigning is um, I wrote a letter to the government and we addressed it as a family to all 275 members of parliament um, in that letter, we asked for a lot of things. Uh, we thought that we'd basically lay out everything that it is that we wanted. And on that list was um, covered or subsidised um, PGS, PhD testing for embryos in IVF. It's still on the list. And from my understanding, that's something that the government 
was looking under was looking into under the $500 million genomics project. So I think it's something that they're acutely aware of. Um, I know that it used to be subsidised um, and then it stopped. And I'm really hoping that it becomes subsidised again because it's, for so many reasons, it's not fair to give this sort of information to parents and then not be able to give them all the options at an affordable cost. Um, I also think that it is a financially smart reason for the government to be able to do that testing. Again, going back on the, the financial implications to Australia, um, I really do think that it's something that's important. Under Mackenzie's mission, um, for those um, 10,000 couples that are being screened, any of those couples that are deemed to be high risk um, at having an effective char a child with a genetic condition are being offered a round of IVF with um, the um, genetic testing of the embryos. So I think it's something that we will get to in Australia. Um, I hope sooner rather than later because it costs $900 per embryo to screen um, and that's in addition to all of the IVF costs. So it is quite, um, yeah, if we've we're very lucky in that we've had um, some some crowdfunding and some people who have been very generous in helping us out, but um, because it's not an option that we would have been able to afford without that. Rachel, do you want to let us know how our listeners can find out more? Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm pretty much all over the place. Um, I'm Especially on at the moment. <laughs> I am at the moment, It is, um, which is fantastic. It's really nice to see so many people interested and wanting to talk about it because I just think it's such an important topic. Um, so I am on Instagram. Um, my handle is my life of and then underscore love. Um, I've got my book out, which is called Mackenzie's Mission, um, and that's on Booktopia, Book Depository. Um, it should be on um, in most of the bookstores. I know it's in Target and Big W and Dimmix. Um, very important. Oh, I've also got a blog, which is mylifeoflove.com. Um, but very importantly, if you want to know more about genetic carrier screening, um, have a look at mackenziesmission.org.au. Um, that'll explain, it lays out all the information about genetic carrier screening as well as telling people what Mackenzie's mission is. And it's also got a list of um genetic carrier screening providers, which you can have a look at and be able to take to your doctor um, or to your medical professional to be able to say this is something that I want to do. And some of those providers, without plugging anyone in particular, can be accessed direct to patient. Um, yes, so I believe Eugene, I think, um, is that right? They are able to, you can go online with them, is from my understanding, and actually order it yourself. That's it. So you don't actually need a facilitator and uh, that may extend to other other test platforms, but certainly that's true at the moment of Eugene. 
And I think it's really important to let people know that the test is so easy. It is just a mouth swab. And for a lot of these providers like Eugene, they literally send it to you in the mail. You do a mouth swab and you send it back and they're able to contact you with the uh, with the results, and if it's a high risk, I know Eugene, for instance, they have a genetic counsellor that are able to talk you through what the conditions are. So it could not be more easy. And yes, I know that there is a cost factor, and I know that I know that getting genetic carrier screening can be scary. I really do. Um, but I just will tell you that getting those results when you have a child in your arm and you're looking at them. That's scarier. You've been through so much in your life, Rachel, and you have been so strong and so resilient, you know, and you talk with such passion and you spread the message um, and and are such an amazing testament and and in memory of your little Mackenzie. Um, We just want to tell you how proud we are of you and how firmly we support you every step of the way. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, like I said, this is just definitely not the life that um, that we really had any idea. We're just normal public servants who pay our taxes and donate to charity. This is, this is not, but this can happen to anyone and I really don't want it to happen. I really... I want to look in a children's hospital in 10 years' time and see the number of beds that are taken completely reduced because, I don't know, I just watching Mackenzie go through that, it's just she deserved so much better and any support like you guys is incredible, so thank you. 